precious time of worship together, hey? I, thanks, uh, Carl and Gordon, for leading this so beautifully. Thanks for those guys who came and shared prophetic words and encouraged and built up the body of the church. So good morning. Um, so if, you, if you're visiting uh, or, or you're watching online for the first time, welcome. It's great to have you here. Uh, my name is Paul, and I lead the team that oversees New Life Community Church. Uh, it's an exciting season for us all as we continue to learn what it is to be one church family meeting across different locations, currently both here in Wimborne and Fawner Bridge. And today marks the start of our DNA series. So over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at the makeup of New Life Community Church, a series of anchor points for us as a church family regarding our vision and identity. If you've ever, ever seen a 100-meter Race, part of the sprinter's prep is to lay down a couple of starting blocks. Every sprinter has these. They are a foundation for each runner, and they enable a more explosive start when the, when the gun goes off. For us at NLCC, these are starting blocks that have been shaped and molded for our feet according to the theology that we value and God's prophetic words have been spoken over us. So the, for the first three weeks... We are going to be looking at the vision we hope to be carrying together as one church family. The remaining four weeks will see us focus on the identity of the church and how that impacts our culture. How we as a church family are made up of people who have found hope, family, life and acceptance in Jesus. So today we're going to start looking at the vision that we're carrying together as one church family. So a little bit about vision. Vision is about where we are going. It's our destination, what we're aiming for. This differs from the word mission, where vision is about where we are going. Mission is about how we're going to do it. And when I ask my son or daughter, what is it that you'd like to do when you grow up? Their vision is something like, I would like to be a vet, or I would like to be a YouTuber, or I would like to be ruler of the world. I'll let you try and figure out who said what when you meet them. <clears throat> the mission then becomes about how you go about achieving that vision, you know, the steps you need to put in place in order to get there. So, for example, to be a vet, there will be an educational track that includes going to veterinarian school. You will need to have a deep care for animals alongside a strong mindset that enables you to perform surgery, which means if you're not a fan of blood or seeing injuries, that's a pretty big hurdle you'll need to overcome in order to help you pursue that career. I remember at one point, <laughs> probably inspired by the Indiana Jones films, I had a vision or a dream of becoming an archaeologist. Uh, then I discovered that my mission steps didn't include training with a whip or, uh, or navigating tombs with booby traps. Uh, performing outrageous stunts or flying to exotic destinations, I actually discovered that I needed to take an educational pathway of studying history and, and geography and using tools, apparently, very carefully and slowly over lots of time to excavate on an archaeological dig, which I was less enthused about. Vision is the where are you going. It's the destination you are heading to in your car, the mission is how you're going to get there, the roads you will take, the stops that you'll make, the amount of fuel required, etc. 
A good vision should help you get excited about what you're part of and, and what is to come. It also becomes especially important when the mission gets hard, how you're able to press through, how you plan and how you focus. A good vision enables you to get your, your head up, look beyond the existing challenges, and helps you see that if your mission steps might need to change. I think it's also important to note that good vision actually acts as a safeguard and will help you prevent from wandering off the road and getting lost. Which is why, I guess, for vision, for companies, for workplaces, towns, cities, governments, sports teams, musicians, and much more are so important. If your company has a strong vision, it is more attractive to work for, especially if you can get excited about where they're going. Seeing where they are going makes you think that you can have a part to play in their mission to get there. So how does that, how does that apply to us? What does that look like for us as a church family? There are clearly obvious practical benefits to having a vision, but how does that marry with who we are in Christ? How we behave and what we do as a church? Well, to understand that, what vision looks like for us, it would be good to understand what vision looks like in the Bible and how that might differ from what we might generally experience. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Proverbs 29, verse 18. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it will come from the screen. But there's nothing quite like having your Bible in hand, is there? When you help lead a team and you, who oversees a church and you can't find the chapter, what does that mean? Does that instill confidence? <laughs> chapter 29, verse 18. The scripture says, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Um, maybe the NLT, New Living Translation, more helpfully translates, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. I, prophetic vision or divine guidance is about God initiating. Vision is important. Where you are going is important. However, to the church, to us as God's family, who initiates that direction is most important. Where we are going together, it is God that we look to, to initiate and inspire our destination. The danger being, if there is no prophetic vision or people are unwilling to accept that God-given leadership, then the church family can become chaotic, can become wild, lost, a lost people. And the scripture from Proverbs gives this impression of running without direction or destination. Um, as a young footballer, that was me. I was a bit of a headless chicken, uh, lots of energy, and I didn't really understand how to use it or where to focus it, so I just ran around a lot. Um, I had to rely on experienced players giving me direction, pointing me where to go. And that's what prophetic vision does. It, it gives direction. It gives destination. It shows you where to focus your energies. And prophetic vision starts with God. And to do that, we're going to look at a few 
examples. So in Genesis 1, verses 27 to 28... It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, man and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here, in the beginning, God initiates and shares his vision to fill the earth, and he entrusts that vision to Adam and Eve. To fill the earth is the destination. That's what God wants Adam and Eve to be going for. Now, at this stage, God helps that trajectory by giving some helpful mission steps, i.e. be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over all living creatures. In using these mission steps, Adam and Eve would find God's blessing and favor. So we find that throughout the scripture, when God initiates and trusts and deposits a prophetic vision to us and in us, the vision or destination we receive is often accompanied by mission steps. Now, not all of those missional steps are fully detailed. Mankind, in partnership with God, is given the freedom to go about the hows of the journey. What type of car for the terrain? How many stops will we need to make? How much food? What type of road trip Spotify playlist will I need? Wonderfully, this is the working partnership of the creator and his creation. God imparts and then looks to our response. Of course, there are examples of specific missional details that God does give within Scripture. God asks Noah to build him an ark, and he gives materials and dimensions for Noah to use. In the same way, God asks Moses to build a tabernacle. This is a place of dwelling for God. And God shares specifically how he wants that tabernacle to be built. Here in Genesis, the vision is clear. Fill the earth. But the mission steps, the details of the how it was to be accomplished, they're quite broad. Some methods of multiplication in this context were pretty easy to understand, some less so. This was the freedom given to mankind, freedom to determine how to fulfill the vision God had given them. Part of the way God delivers to us, I believe, has a relational motive. God uses a big vision and broad missional steps to move us and help move us as his people toward throwing our complete dependency upon him. That in working toward a God-given vision, we, his people, look to lean on him, look to his wisdom and input with regard to the details of those missional steps. But the principle of vision for the church remains the same. God initiates, he acts, he speaks, he imparts, he burdens. He is doing something and he is inviting us to accompany him, to join him in what he is doing. In the story of Joseph, near the end of the book of Genesis, God reveals to Joseph the true meaning of Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh has a dream about what God is going to do. God is going to give seven years of plenty to the land of Egypt, followed by seven years of famine, and all of that is going to happen pretty soon. So this is the vision that is cast, the direction the nation is going. This is what God is doing. Now, in response to what God has revealed and what he's going to do, Joseph offers up to Pharaoh a plan, the mission of how this country is not going to suffer on reaching its destination, but in fact, 
is going to flourish. So much so that they will be able to support those outside of the nation of Egypt who will struggle during that time. He offers steps that would see them significantly saved during the season of plenty in order to provide during the season of famine. And because of this, Pharaoh sees to it that Joseph, a foreigner in the nation of Egypt, is installed as the second most powerful man in all the land. Even in here, in this appointment, God is fulfilling what he has initiated. Joseph's appointment, his rise to power was also God's doing. So on a side note, just in addition, this to me is a wonderful example of what Joseph does here of administration. You know, the vision is cast, and Joseph goes about the business to provide mission steps to get there. It's a wonderful administrative gifting. And so we can be truly thankful for those who oversee and coordinate huge projects with this type of administrative gifting. We can be, as a church family, wonderfully thankful for the administrative gifting we have here in, in Beth and in Joe. You know, I think these guys have wonderful Joseph-like qualities, and we're truly blessed to have them. There are numerous examples like this throughout the scriptures relating to individuals and nations, but the one that will probably relate to us the most is the vision that God gives to his church, the vision that has been echoed again and again throughout the scriptures. God desires a people unto himself, a context where God himself and his people are together in wholehearted devotion to one another, not because God needs that, but because he desires it. God's vision is wrapped up in his heart for his creation. 1 Timothy 2 tells us that God's desire, it tells us God's desire for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then it goes on to say that that truth is wrapped up in this, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all. And then it is Jesus who brings the mission to the church, the steps to fulfill God's vision. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Go share this good news, this truth that there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind and the whole world. This, those mission steps are sharpened then in Matthew 28, 19 through what Jesus shares with his disciples and indeed to us today. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Like Adam and Eve, the church has a mandate, a vision, a destination from God to get to. And we have missional steps to help us get on board with what God is already doing. And I believe that it is through those missional steps that the church will find God's favor and blessing. So as an eldership team, we are responsible before God to oversee this one church family and our calling, our responsibility, amongst other things, is to lead or shepherd the church family in getting on board with what God is doing. Under that huge vision for every Christian to go into all the world, there will be lots of visions of how that is to be outworked amongst local church families. So for example, for the Apostle Peter, he was to go to the Jews 
with the gospel. For the Apostle Paul, it was the Gentiles. No matter the direction we see in Scripture, there's this, this same principle at work regarding vision. God sets the tone. God is speaking. God is revealing. God is initiating. God is doing. And in response, God's people are either one of two things, getting on board or not getting on board. And we want to be a church family that is on board with what God is doing. Amen? In line with what God has spoken, with what God has revealed, and what God is initiating. As an eldership team, that is something we are seeking to continuously pay attention to. And God has already spoken <laughs> and revealed through his word. We sit as a church family under that enormous vision to proclaim the gospel throughout all creation and make disciples of all nations. Our mission, of course, is the how. How do we accomplish that? How do we get on board with what God is doing? And it is with that and through understanding his word that we know that not only has God spoken, but he still speaks today. He's gone before us in history and he goes before us now. So by God's grace, his word and his spirit, we look to him to give us a vision for what he is doing here in Wimborne, Fordham Bridge, and Downton and beyond and how we can be involved. So New Life Community Church, we have a vision and none of these vision statements should feel, as I said last week, as it's surprising to you, they should feel affirming because of what God has already spoken to us through his word and also through his people over the years. And we feel like as an eldership team that this vision is serving us now and for our immediate future, a vision that affirms what God is doing across the nations and sharpens our focus here for NLCC, the local one church family. So the vision of New Life Community Church, our family vision is to see many people's lives transformed by Jesus, to be a local church that pioneers and helps establish new communities of believers, to provide love and support for those who struggle with life's challenges. So hopefully that should feel broad enough to come under that mandate to make disciples of all nations and narrow enough to see how that might apply here affirming a glimpse of the unique role God has given his church here in Wimborne, Fordham Bridge, and beyond. So we're going to look at that first vision statement, and over the next couple of weeks, we will look at the following two. So <clears throat> our family vision is to see many people's lives transformed by Jesus. Amen? That should be a surprise anyway. <laughs> now, hopefully, that should feel like a whole load of common sense. As a church family, we know what it is to be transformed by Jesus. We understand the difference Jesus makes to our lives. We are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. What we held on to before as important has been shifted into second place to make room for who is now the most important person's in our lives, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Where we once looked to ourselves or to others, we now look to him. Our perspective has been changed. Our walk in life has been changed. Our eternity has been changed. He is all that we need to flourish in this life and beyond it. Now, of course, we're not the ones who are doing the transforming. That's God's department. It is God who transforms lives. But since the beginning of time, God has, God's heart has been to do things in partnership, in relationship with his creation. He has a part to play, so do we. He accepts and expects, and we should do the same. Jesus commissions his church to make disciples of all nations. 
That is to proclaim the good news to all that Jesus saves and then journey alongside all of those who commit their lives to Christ. As we all, we all know, yeah, discipleship or, disi- or making disciples, it's not just seeing people respond to the gospel. It's not just seeing people crossing the line of faith. It's a commitment to help them in their journey. It's about being shoulder to shoulder with other believers, having a heart to see them grow in their faith and knowledge of Jesus, that they may live a life in light of him to the glory of his name, knowing that as their lives, their laughter, their tears, their struggles, their ambitions, their plans, as all of these things revolve around him, they will know what it is to walk with great fullness in this life and in great confidence for what happens beyond the grave. So spiritual transformation is is what we look to first, and that will help people with practical transformation, what God is doing on our hearts through his word and his spirit and through his people outworks into our practice, how we behave, the choices we make, the paths we choose, the relationships we have. However, with that in mind, because of who we are in Christ, the people who who have been and are being transformed, what we do in practice mirrors what God has done in our hearts. And so like the parable that Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan, we are a people, a family who will go way beyond the expectation of others to bind up wounds, see people get back on their feet, have dignity restored, and through that hope given. The vision of New Life Community Church is to see many people's lives transformed by Jesus. And the statement is both outward-looking because it is aligning with God's heart for the world and acknowledging our part to play in making him known. But it's also inward-looking. Transformation is ongoing. We have a duty of care to one another as a family to see each other grow in Christ. We want to see people commit themselves to Christ and grow in Christ. With that, we also commit to help and support standing shoulder to shoulder with one another in that journey. That vision statement overflows from our identity in Jesus and impacts our culture, the way that we do things as family. And our mission our step, are the steps that we put in place to see that vision fulfilled. Acknowledging that God has a part to play, but we are trusting in that, we are praying for that, and what we want to do as a church family together is be faithful in doing our part. So, I would like to really finish by bringing a charge to us as a church family. And as part of that charge, I'm going to call us to respond. So we're just going to take a moment together. We're just going to pause, and I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to bring that charge. So, Heavenly Father, I just I pray now, God, you have a great heart to see all people saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God, you have taken us who were once running in a different direction, grabbed hold of our hearts, revealed yourself, and ushered us in to be part of your family. You have transformed us. And we thank you that you are continuing to transform us now.
So even now, I pray, Father, would our hearts align with yours afresh to see lives transformed by Jesus. This is a charge that would see us together in this new season, freshly commit to doing our part in seeing many people's lives transformed by Jesus. We want to be proclaimers of the gospel and supporters of one another in our relationship with Jesus. Commit to standing shoulder to shoulder with one another in our journey with Christ, that we may all grow in our faith and understanding of him. If you agree to this, I would like you to stand. Hear this as a fresh commission to us as a church family from our chief shepherd and king. As Jesus says, church, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we stay standing, I'd like to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to respond in worship together. As we are standing in the presence of God, receiving that commission from God, a commission that has shaped our vision as a church family, a commission that is to be imparted to you afresh personally and to us together corporately. I believe, even now, even now, God is depositing fresh gifts of faith and expectation for you and for us together. Excitement stirring in your hearts for what God is doing and what is to come. Now for a few of you, as I was in preparation, God might be using this time just to gently prod you, to bend your gaze back to him and all that he is. (laughs) We all need that at some point. You might even need to say sorry to God for the things that have taken your gaze away and caused you to slightly adrift, caused you slightly to drift. But I felt even then, God is saying to you, it's okay, but now is the time to bring your gaze back to me. So Holy Spirit, we invite you come. We invite you God to keep working in us now and transforming us. And there might be some of you are here or watching who desire to know the transforming impact of God in your life. Like the Good Samaritan, this guy who went way beyond cultural norms to see a man who had been battered, bruised and trampled on love to support and restored. I want to say to you that God has already gone way beyond for you. Sending his son to die as a ransom for your life in order that you may fully know and experience the love, support, 
and restoring work of God in you. You may have been battered, you may have been bruised, and you may have been trampled on in this life, but God is all in for you, and he is in the business of transformation. His heart for you today is for you to acknowledge him, his call upon your life, and for you to start putting your trust in him today. And you can do that now and simply before God. And if you've done that, I'd love to know because we want to stand shoulder to shoulder with you as church family as you journey with Christ. So as we come back into worship, I want to pray, Father, thank you for this fresh commission upon your church. I thank you for the vision that aligns with your heart, your word, your spirit, your people to see many lives transformed by Jesus. God, go before us. Do your part, oh God. Help us to do our bit that we may see the impact of you changing lives throughout this community and beyond. We stand shoulder to shoulder together for the glory of your name. Amen.